My greatest goal is for you to see yourself as a leader, as a forerunner, as an influencer who is helping shape the community around you, whether in the C-suite, in your community, in your home, in your entrepreneurial endeavors, wherever you are leading, there are people watching, whether they're little people in the minivan or they are people in your executive team. You are a leader. You are shaping the world around you. And I want to invest in you. So I love speaking. I love being a guest on podcast and was recently the guest on Bigger Than Business in helping leaders understand what is going on when I'm in analysis paralysis, who all has been there, and how do we get unstuck from cycling through anxiety, indecision, paralysis, any area where you feel your self-limiting beliefs or indecision and ambivalence are just holding you back. This is the episode for you. And I would love for you to reach out and to be able to help you personally. We have a whole team of therapists and leadership consultants who can help you get unstuck personally, relationally, spiritually, and vocationally so you can lead from a healthy soul. Stay tuned for this episode where I'm the guest on Bigger Than Business. Her master's and doctorate degrees in clinical psychology from Regent University in Virginia Beach, Virginia. She's a California native who interned in Hawaii, did a residency in Dallas, and now lives in Keller, Texas. Welcome to the Bigger Than Business podcast, Dr. Crawford. Thank you. It is such a privilege. Oh, it's great to have you here. And, and you've been all over the place, raised in California, uh, uh, college in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You got to intern mm -hmm. in Hawaii um, yeah. and finally made it to Texas. So yes. we're glad you finally got here. Thank you. I did my residency in Dallas and then started my private practice in a suburb called Keller between Dallas and Fort Worth and just celebrated 10 years of being a business owner. Wow, that's awesome. Well, the first 10 years are the hardest too for most business owners. So congratulations. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> it, and there are always challenges, but you made it through the first 10. So those, those are the, the, some of the toughest ones. So before we dive in, just a kind of a technical question, I think will help our listeners. Um, and it will help me as well. Would you please mm -hmm. clarify for me and the listening audience the difference between a counselor, a psychologist, which is your professional designation, and a mm -hmm. psychiatrist? Yeah. So counseling is a different model altogether. It's shorter and more abbreviated. It's a program that's usually two to three years and focused more on coping with symptoms, giving homework, practical application, maybe shorter term. And obviously there's always a one-off, but that's kind of the general model. It's a shorter training program. And then you get a license LMFT or LCSW or LPC. And then all going to the terminal degree is a psychologist. So that's the highest level of becoming a therapist. And so our training is deeper. It's more robust. You have to go through every rigor of becoming a doctor, um, including research. So it's a lot more on the root issues of why am I doing that? Um, and you can obviously get the coping skills and the homework and everything, but it's a, it's a deeper level of trying to get to the unconscious roots. And so that's one of the distinctions. So if you were to compare them to the medical field, a counselor would be like a nurse, and then a psychologist would be like a medical doctor. And then a psychiatrist is a medical doctor that's gone through rotations in mental health, and their primary treatment modality is medication rather than therapy. Although, again, there's always exceptions to every rule. That's just kind of the broad sweep of each of those. That's, all, that's very helpful. Thank you for, for clarifying that. Now I know. 
so your your grandfather and father owned and built construction development companies. You're now the third generation of entrepreneurs in a family uh, as the CEO of Dr. Crawford Associates. Mm-hmm. So with construction development in your blood, how did psychology become your passion and your career choice? It's a fantastic question. It was the last thing on my radar ever. Our whole family did never even thought of therapy one time, but I fortunately grew up in a family that I would watch my parents do prayer groups, right? So it would be all business owners and they would come together and just share burdens together. So you could see the front side of a business and look at the bottom dollar and maybe think, wow, look how successful, but just seeing the inside of so many business owners and just are we going to have enough money to make payroll, you know, new regulations coming at us, um, customer issues, employee issues. And so seeing that there were times that you could just see people come alive as employees and customers. And in fact, uh, just to brag on my parents for a second, uh, they really are my heroes because they didn't set out with an agenda, but just being themselves, my dad would mentor young men that didn't have fathers. And now today we watch them become like men, like fathers and husbands and serve their families really beautifully. And my mom would bring the ladies to the church tea and the women would get healing for their emotional needs. And we saw a lot of families reconciled. And again, that wasn't like an agenda. It wasn't something where they were setting out to do, but I saw them live a lifestyle of praying over their business and sharing that burden with others. And so it just gave me a passion to see business owners, leaders have healthy souls because I knew what it took on the inside, that internal grit to be able to weather so much pressure and pivots and demands coming at a leader at any one moment. And so if I build people, then they can create ecosystems around them that are really healthy. And that inspires me. Wow. What a great insight. That, that really is, I mean, to see with your parents and your grandfather, even as business mm-hmm. owners, and then to see yeah. how uh, all the things they had to deal with um, away from the, like you say, the window dressing of how things look great in the business, how, how challenging yes. it is. It is. It's challenging to own mm-hmm. and build a business and, and uh, to want to help business owners and leaders. That's, that's great. Very nice shout out and compliment to your parents, too. I mean, that's what a great, great thing they did for you and in, in mm-hmm. setting that that role model. So in in one of your leadership consulting articles that I read, you stated a business problem is a leadership problem. Mm -hmm. Would you mind explaining that statement? Sure. Leaders create cultures. And so at a micro level around us, people are picking up um, our tone, our verbiage, what we attend to, what we don't. And so my job as a leadership consultant is to help the individual leader and or the team of leaders learn what kind of culture are we creating? What ecosystem is thriving and being encouraged? Is it jealousy, fear, comparison, climbing the corporate ladder? Or is it generosity, safety, innovation? And I've seen a lot of corporations plateau because they're not willing to move past micromanaging and healthy, unhealthy habits of fear-based control and motivation and incentives, but they're depersonalized. And I think especially with the Gen X and Gen Z, uh, we're seeing a lot of younger generations really wanting it to be personalized, individualized. And so if we're so macro and big vision and we're not recognizing, are we seeing the people in front of us, you may be running after your 
vision and turn around and realize your key people are no longer with you. So we want to create infrastructure and legacy that lives beyond us. And leaders are creating that atmosphere. So being strategic about what we're creating. That's great. So, so a business owner comes to you and says, I've, I've got a problems in my business, you know, I've got a business problem, and you listen to some of the problems. And how do you break it to them that they may be the problem? <laughs> uh, gently, wisely. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> really, Rapport really is answer. important. Yeah. Um, but after I feel like most people actually kind of have an intuition that it might be partly them. Now there's a problem where we go into shame and people pleasing and fear and where we start going, oh my gosh, it's all me. And then it's not really productive insight. But when they can say, hey, part of the dynamic around me, I may be a factor in that, then we can start working on that. And actually, I've been able to give really candid feedback to business owners, C-suite, managers, leaders. Um, and eventually, they'll start to thank me because it was like somewhere inside they kind of knew. But mm -hmm. the defense mechanisms, we don't want to see that about ourselves. And so when someone points it out, but it's said with such respect and care and not in criticism or contempt, um, I think it just kind of settles inside. And then now we can do something fruitful and productive with that feedback. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's fantastic. Uh, and, and also we'll talk about this a little bit later, but you not only help them understand that, but then you give them the tools to help yes. them change it, which yes. is really the key, I think. And, and what I've learned in getting to know you. Yeah. Um, so you also stated that the success of an organization is greatly dependent on the health of the leader. Almost every business owner I know, you know, they dedicate time and resource to maintain their physical health, mm -hmm. but perhaps maybe not as much time, their mental and emotional health. Yeah. Um, and maybe not so much time to deal with the stressors that, mm -hmm. that business owners, you mentioned your parents and their yeah. friends and how they let them and how to deal with those stressors. What, what are some of the most common stressors you see among your clients? Yeah. Um, in no particular order, I hear finances, employee issues, and conflicting role demands. So role demands within the corporation or the business, but also and especially between home and work life and just feeling always torn. Like I can't be fully present anywhere because I'm feeling guilty about not being at the sports event of my child. But then when I'm home, really struggling to be fully present with my family, because I'm still thinking about the job and the payroll and are we going to make taxes? And, and so I think those three tend to be uh, large factors. But obviously, even as a consultant, I still have a psychology brain. And so when we unpack it, normally, it actually is fed by imposter syndrome. So this fear that I am not enough, now that's too threatening for us to walk around with. And so we all create a false self. And that's, I have one as much as anybody else. We have the me that I want to show the world and that I want to identify as. But then unconsciously, there's this real subtle fear that someday someone's going to see through. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh, right? And so <laughs> during calm time- You do know what you're talking about. I know that. <laughs> well, I mean, human nature, right? Like right. we all have this. Um, that we have these calm seasons and we feel competent and capable. And we know how to lead. We are the eight challenger on the Enneagram. But then there's moments where like COVID, where stress and demands and pulls and- finances, all of these start to trigger us because there's times that it doesn't affect us, meaning it's not really the situation. It's actually me 
feeling insecure around what does that say about me if I fail, if this endeavor does not prosper, if I have to let people go and disappoint people and I'm not the golden child that I have been up to this point, what does that say about me actually has more to do with our internal world. And that's why the restoring self-cohesion model is so helpful because it takes that psychological stress and pressure off of performance and pivots and financial up and down you know, economy issues. So when we can remove that stress, then the leader can thrive and enjoy leadership again. Yeah. We're, and we're going to talk about that restoring self-cohesion model, because that's really important. And I've, I've got a little story myself to share about that. But um, before we get to that, um, another concept that, that we talked about that I found to be really interesting in one of our conversations, you mentioned that a lot of people think in terms of caring for their body, which is kind of the physical aspect I mentioned, um, and then the soul, and then the spirit. But you believe the order should be, we should care for our spirit, then the soul, then the body. You switched mm -hmm. the order. Could, could you explain your perspective on that? Absolutely. I perceive our spirit as the true self. So that's more your gut, your intuition, your knower. So if you've ever had a feeling of like, you just know that you know something, even though you don't have tangible evidence, that's your spirit. That's that true you. And this is the us that gets overlooked most of the time because our human understanding wants facts, wants logic, logic, wants things to be linear. So our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And think of it as a routing system where all bits of data are coming in and being routed by the soul who's trying to people please and perform and meet all demands and mediate between everything inside and outside of me. And that's very practical and very helpful, but it's not vision. It's not the execution. It's not the macro large part of you that can hold and contain that there's a purpose for my life, even though right now it feels cluttered and chaotic and I can't see in the natural how it's going to work out. So an analogy I've given is many people are working on their body, much like if Amazon, the corporation was only working on the delivery trucks. So they oiled them, they made them pristine, clean, beautiful. And so these trucks run, but if we don't have the operations, if we don't have the mm -hmm. systems and processes in place at the warehouse, which would be the soul. And then if we don't have the C-suite, that's actually creating vision, casting the trajectory, where are we going? What's our purpose? What do we say no to? What do we lean into? Then we're out of alignment. And so it would be a very lopsided organization if I was only trying to pack boxes, pack boxes, my soul, put them on trucks, but I didn't actually know the vision of where I was going, the purpose, the meaning and significance of why I'm doing that. And so what I do with leaders is helping them put that right alignment. Much like if you're thinking about the vertebrae of your spine, that you can get signals from your head down to your hand. But when that signal from the head is getting disrupted by a pinched nerve, you're going to have symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so that's burnout. That's irritability, frustration, um, no longer caring about anyone or anything, craving sugar, carbs, porn, all these things that just feed us because I'm not getting my actual source and my head is not actually leading. I'm in misalignment. So I'm a big fan of exercise, love it. But if that's the only self-care we're getting, or, you know, one CEO said, well, I get pedicures or I get massages. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's a well-oiled delivery truck. Right. But if I'm not doing the soul work, 
at the warehouse level. And if I'm not doing the C-suite vision at the spirit level, then I'm going to be kind of a disrupted, uh, obsolete corporation at the end of the day. Yeah, that's, that's a, those are great analogies. Really, <laughs> I, I can get that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you with the analogies. Very, very helpful. So, you know, you know, we're speaking about that and how you get those things in alignment. And, um, you know, and that's what you help your, your leaders do, but you've, mm-hmm. you've created this unique process, um, as a business leader yourself, you know, one of your primary passions in your business is empowering entrepreneurs with your unique strategies. And you created a unique strategy to enhance effectiveness for your leaders. So one strategy you you've innovated that we've talked about is restoring self-cohesion or the RSC model. Um, tell uh, you've, you've explained that to me and actually after you explain it to the listeners i want to share an experience i have with it which uh it was really helpful so perfect yeah. thank you yes um so it's taken about 15 years of studying psychology and about 10 years of actual application implementation of developing this model so my hope is that it's creating a larger frame for us to understand the body soul spirit connection and that we're supposed to have parts of self right there's more functionality and beauty and dimension when you're robust But what we do is we hold painful life events. And so that's not abstract, just like tissue somewhere, a thought belief somewhere. There's a literal part of the soul or the spirit that's holding and containing that until we're ready. So now that's running in the hard drive at the unconscious level, going against what I'm trying to go toward at the conscious level. And so now I'm a house divided against myself and human nature wants to willpower that and make that stop, right? Like Mm -hmm. don't have that thought. Don't do that behavior anymore. Stop doing that. Stop going there. Stop allowing yourself to get into analysis paralysis and overthink and ambivalence. Instead of doing that, RSC creates a internal board meeting where you start to give voice and honor the parts of the soul that no longer need to stay repressed and whack-a-mold out of awareness and actually brought into conscious awareness. And you can resolve it at the root issue. So now I'm not fighting against myself. We resolve it. And then you'll see, even at a body cellular level, you're restoring uh, a mindful, peaceful state, which then enables you to operate from your spirit again, versus the soul when it's really chatty and noisy and you feel chaotic inside. That's evidence that we are misaligned. We have symptoms. And so my whole goal is to help people do internal board meetings, resolve the root issues, so the soul can come back into right alignment and we can lead from our true self again so i want to tell you my story because as i got to know you you shared this process with me and i thought that sounds a little hokey but <laughs> I mean, I love an, it. an internal board meeting so yes uh but last week i had a situation where i was feeling really frustrated and you know i said you know what i really respect dr crawford i want to try and have an internal board meeting and so i said okay frustrated self why are you frustrated? What's what's going on here? When normally I would say, hey, quit being frustrated. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. You got other things to do. You know, like you said, I power through it. Um, or I would just leave awake as I as I affected other people with my frustration. Right. Um, so, you know, I said, okay, what's this frustration about? And I, I thought about it. I said, well, you, you're frustrated because you felt like this individual disrespected you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I came out and and then I 
I said, well, okay, disrespected. Why did you feel? And I said, you know what? I, I know that person well enough to know that wasn't their intention. It's mm -hmm. just the way I took it. And, it, and, and I know that's not what they would do. And so um, disrespected self, you know, you shouldn't feel that way. And, and, and I started to calm down. I started to think, well, that's, that's true. They wouldn't, they, they wouldn't do that purposely. And it was just the way I took it. And, and now I said, well, does anybody else want to speak up? And <laughs> so yes. somebody spoke up and said, yeah, I'm embarrassed about the way I handled it, you know, about the way mm -hmm. I responded to that. And, and so I said, I, th I think you should need to go apologize. You know, somebody else, you know, I, at board meeting said, I think yeah. you need to go apologize for the way you handled that. And I, mm -hmm. I said, you know, you're right. I do need to go apologize. So, and I did. And ultimately the frustration went away. Um, mm -hmm. I apologize. The person really appreciated, um, you know, mm -hmm. the apology. They didn't, it, they didn't take it the way I, the response was worse for me than it was for yeah. them. But, yeah. but still I, I walked away from that going, that really works. <laughs> it really worked. So yeah. anyway, thank you for uh, uh, sharing that with me. And I'm going to yeah. try and put it to use more often. Absolutely. And I think it does sound probably hokey because there's only one of me, right? Except mm -hmm. how many times have we said, I want chocolate cake, but I'm on a diet. I want to save money. Oh, but I want to go on vacation. Uh, I want to start this business. Oh, I don't know about the economy, right? Each time, instead of just thinking those as popcorn thoughts, you're actually thinking parts of self. You're having internal committees all the time who are weighing in and disagreeing with each other. We're just trying to formalize it and create honor and curiosity so we actually hear and resolve what needs to be addressed, thus freeing up the conscious mind to now make a decisive decision. So like you repairing a relationship, taking ownership and responsibility versus we can get moody and pouty or passive aggressive, or we just try to make up and buy them something and it doesn't actually heal and resolve. And so again, back to my childhood of watching a lot of business owners that were so stressed, carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, a lot of times their family members were in the wake, as well as the employees. Um, so if we can help people create a culture of healthy living in their soul, now we put all that back together. And for the record, if anyone's listening, I'm not talking about DID or multiple personality disorder. I'm talking about the fluidity that we just have lots of sides to our personality. You have a, a nurturing side, a business side, a competitive side that we want to just honor and give voice to all sides of us. So then we're linear and cohesive. Well, I can honestly say I was a little skeptical. I'm yeah. sorry, but I That's was. Okay. But again, because I respect you so much, I said, well, I'm going to give it a try. And for the listeners, it I can assure you it worked and it's not that hard. Uh, so yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. It was very helpful. So Shannon, being a business owner can sometimes be lonely if you don't have somebody you trust that you can go to with your challenges. You talked about your parents offered um, a, a respite for business owners where they could come and share their challenges. And if you don't have, you know, if you don't have that, it becomes very difficult to navigate. Mm -hmm. um, why don't more business owners come to somebody like you to, to get this kind of guidance that will help them navigate some of these challenges and stressors and issues, you know, better. Uh, business owners tend to, to not want to do that. It's almost like it's a admittance of a sign of weakness um, right. uh, to do that. Absolutely. So for a lot of us, we're used to having to push things down 
in order to go after a goal. So being a business leader and having fortitude takes a lot of internal grit. The problem is sometimes the strength that helps carry you to a season is the very thing that's a blind spot that will hinder you from going into your next season. So while that was helpful to be able to, you know, maybe you were in sports and you learned to just, I feel pain, but I'm going to channel it and I'm going to go after this goal. That was really effective in that moment. The problem is if you had a fracture that you're not aware of in one of those feet or leg or something inside, uh, the more you run on that, the more of a compound fracture, the bigger deal it's going to become. So for many of us, we have an internal rule that I have to be strong. I am often the leader in most situations, right? As, as right. business owners. Yep. And so we take on that role of, I need to be the strong one for everyone else. I have family and dependents and people that care about me. And now I have all these business you know, employees and their families and the ripple effect and community and customers. And so we create a narrative that's actually really unhealthy. And it's much like an elephant when they train them when they're little, they'll tie a rope around their little leg and put a stake in the ground and the elephant learns, oh, I can't leave. Except by the time they're big, full grown, mighty elephants, that silly little string rope is pathetic and puny next to how big and powerful. Right. The problem is because we don't check our mindsets early in childhood and we continue to use those and without revising and upgrading our hard drive, those old beliefs that we grew up with, that it's weak to ask for help, it's vulnerable, it's sissy, um, it's some kind of a failure. If you ever need help, you have to always be strong then you're much like that elephant training yourself to be tethered and tied to old beliefs that are limiting you and shrinking the quality of life and the sphere of influence your life really can have if you'll do that deep work. And this is something I do want you to know. Your internal world is a foundation. So if you try to build beyond what your inner world is able to hold and steward, you will many times implode. And that's where a lot of times, unfortunately, people come to my office after the fact, after the right. affair, after right. the bankruptcy, after their life implodes. And it's, it's heartbreaking because these things could have been worked on earlier. Think of your internal world as a foundation with tiny little hair cracks. And when you're younger, you can build on that. You know, it can withstand that. But if you're doing a skyscraper and you're doing incredible, mighty growth opportunities, odds are good. Those hairline fractures are now becoming macro big breaks. And that's where people's lives fall apart. And so what I found is when people stop doing the inner work, their external world is plateaued and limited at that level where they're no longer growing internally. They're no longer growing externally. Yeah, yeah that's great examples great the elephant is is fantastic and um you know and i've i've learned firsthand that when you don't address those inner cracks and and things they do compound and mm -hmm. and they they do get more and when you do address them you can accomplish things you never really thought you might be yeah. able to accomplish because you're so much better going deeper is hard yeah it, it's it's and i've 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 done that and do that and and it's it's not easy yeah. Um, but it, it really, uh, as you've described is so beneficial, mm -hmm. uh, especially for a leader and all the lives we can impact and mm -hmm. we can impact them in a more positive way because we've helped ourselves be better. makes yeah. a big difference. So, so Dr. Crawford, you dynamically lead a, a vibrant business. You're building your own 7M culture nonprofit with very intense goals. 
um, and I didn't even get into that, but you've got this incredible vision that you're, you're, you're creating um, to leverage your skills to really help a lot of other people, um, which is very demanding. You're also in demand as a national and international speaker. You serve as an adjunct professor at King's University. You host a popular weekly podcast. You know, you're, you're an author that's not writing just one, but three books at the same time. <laughs> you know, how, how does Dr. Shannon Crawford care for her spirit, soul, and body? Mm, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. I think it looks different for everybody, but in full transparency, as a business owner, I get to set my own hours. So I don't go into work until 10 a.m. So if I wake up at 6, 6.37, then that gives me a good amount of time to just start with deep breathing and mindfulness. I read uh, first thing in the morning, something that's going to enrich my spirit. And then I journal, I'll do an internal board meeting, just kind of see how my inner world is doing. I'll use a lot of visualization. It's fascinating research of what you visualize, good or bad, releases the chemicals as if it's happening right now. So for all our worry warts out there who are catastrophizing and thinking of all the worst case scenarios, do you know you're actually releasing in your body right now everything as if it's happening, like the tsunami is literally happening right now to your body. Wow. That's why people have a backlog of so much anxiety. And they're like, you know, it's feeding itself. Mm -hmm. So I find that what I look at first thing, the first fruits of every morning, and you know, I'm human. So I'll grab my phone and check voicemails, do a phone call, you know, do something on um, email or something. I've just found those days, I tend to feed uh, my soul a little bit more, right? So I get a little more cranky. I need more caffeine. I want carbs more, um, more impatient when life doesn't go my way versus the days that I start with mindfulness, meditation, um, encouraging scriptures or something, journaling. On those days, I found that my energy just stays more consistent. I'm more peaceful. Uh, it just flows out of me in a different way that life is sweeter and I'm able to enjoy it. And so that's not like a works, you know, if you however you do your day, I've just noticed that for me, that's a difference. Um, and then I try to get exercise in. So I'm pretty sedentary in my work. I sit a lot. And so I will try to get hit routine. Maybe we'll do 20, 30, 40 minutes, the best time that I can afford in the morning um, or weight training or go on a really soothing walk. If people are listening and you have high cortisol, which is just that high stress, if you're gaining weight in your abdomen, that is one of the signs of high stress in your body. So actually doing more intense workouts could lead to more burnout and more weight gain. So what you want to do is actually good, mindful breathing while on a walk, you'll lower your cortisol. And if you visualize being loved and cared about. So throughout the day, I will imagine, I know it sounds hokey, but based on research, what you imagine, I'll picture like just peeling these layers off my heart and this liquid love, like a waterfall, just pouring in. So I'm talking to a patient or a client in the middle of the day, and I'll just visualize God's love just pouring into me that he is my source and I don't have to be the answer to everything. So that really helps just take that unconscious burden of needing to be the source and the be all for everybody that takes it off my shoulders. Um, and then relationships. I think humans are fantastic. And so I love fun, happy, playful relationship time, but also carving in time that is just deep, real connection. Uh, especially since 2020, we have to be a lot more intentional mm -hmm. for that deeper connection. And then I have regular appointments with lots of different people. 
I have coaches and consultants and inner healing and therapy. I go for my own appointments because again, I can have the knowledge software, but my hard drive is not updated. Just because I know the things doesn't mean that I don't have the same blind spots in myself. So I know that what I, as a leader, I influence a lot of people, the abundance of my heart, what comes out of me that I'm not even aware of is going to impact a lot of people. So I'm going to challenge our leaders. You put the oxygen mask on your own face, take care of your soul, and you will have such a sweeter, soothing impression on the world around you versus this chaotic, urgent, tyranny, fear-based that we tend to have when we're not taking care of ourselves. Yeah, and I can testify to that. Um, it, it took me a while to get there. I'm a slow learner, but uh, I, I found that I get up long before the sun comes up and and i'm i'm busy as well we all are sure. but but i've found that by starting the day um reading scripture and with prayer and meditation time mm -hmm. um makes all the difference in the world and that's and that's the time where i pour out and also allow the lord to pour into me uh mm -hmm. early in the morning and then you know then i move on with my athletic training and, and then the work business and and so forth but that time just kind of centering myself in it, one day at a time um yes. you know and it's it takes one day at a time it's just been such a valuable thing in my life um and it's just improved the quality of my life so much so it, it I, I guess i'm I'm just kind of repeating what you said but i've had Agreed. that same experience had yes. the exact same experience mm -hmm. it's so important i encourage our listeners to to uh consider consider some type of um routine in the morning that that quiet time that balancing time you described yeah so 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 shannon we we boy we we touched on a lot of things that that we could probably spend hours talking about <laughs> seriously um but it's it's just so powerful and what you do is is uh so needed and i know that the leaders that you work with um are really blessed to have you working with them and to help them uh, become more effective leaders. I know the people around them, uh, because as a leader, we touch so many different people. And like you said, yes. influence so many different people mm -hmm. that the better we can be, the the better the people around us can be as well, and the better we can be for them. So yeah. uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible the difference you're making. I, I appreciate all the insight you shared. I do have one last question. I ask everybody I interview, and that's what is bigger than business for Dr. Shannon Crawford? Mm. Well, my current passion is shaping culture, which is audacity. It's a huge dream, a ridiculous dream. I'm, I'm aware of that, um, but I want to help enrich lives. So take what is kind of esoteric and private in the psychology world and make it public, make it accessible, do public campaigns on mental health, how to steward young children in a technology world, how to restore attachment, how to have a healthy soul and healthy relationships. So living for something bigger than myself and hopefully having a generational impact that the world's bigger and better than what I can do with just my one little life that we reach much further is my goal. That is an awesome goal. And I have no doubt you're going to accomplish that and make a, a huge difference. And it's been such a joy to get to know you through this process and to get to interview you. And I look forward to ongoing relationship. And I hope our listeners will, will take some of Dr. Crawford's advice uh, because it it's excellent. It does work. 
Thank you. So thank you again, Shim. Really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. My privilege.